technically the rules say dogs can't play. Wait, no, no. There's nothing in the rule book that says dogs can't play. Yeah, that's what I just said. Check the check the tapes. We'll check the tapes. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. Oh no. I know it's available, but why? There's so many other things available. First of all, it's artisanal, okay? I don't want to hear it. One of your hosts spent nine hours this week watching the Godfather series to atone for his <laughs> sins. <laughs> what are you? doing so stupid of you so stupid of all of you handsome drew did as well are you drew with the you obviously he's drew with the you okay my handsome drew. <laughs> i don't spell it's my name with a u what are you talking about <sighs> what's wrong with you i'm so angry at everyone here oh i was not listening <laughs> <laughs> that is very apparent to everyone on the podcast that you were not listening this is not the podcast you deserve Welcome to this week's episode of Not the Podcast You Deserve, episode 58. Guys, can you believe we've made it this far? No. I can't believe it either. We don't deserve this. We don't. Thank you, Anchor. My name is Kyle, the host for tonight, along with Drew with you. That's me, actually. I'm Drew with you. Not very handsome. Supposedly uh, handsome, Drew? I am supposedly handsome, and I don't spell my name with a U. And we have guest host Austin Chandler with us tonight. Austin, say hello to Dale. Dale, give me a call sometime soon. I, he's probably actually going to do that. So he, <laughs> That's fantastic. He, he needs it. to be aware of the time difference that you're currently in because he will call you at like five o'clock in the morning your time possibly. That's fine. That's fine. Austin, would you like a surname or like an adjective to go along with your name? We don't have another Austin, but I thought I'd just throw it out there. No, I want to be the lone Austin. I don't need yeah. that. All right. Uh, and lone Austin is with us. And as we've, as we talked about last episode, Austin is probably, I, I think we can say definitely top five of the best guest hosts we've had on um, this show. Absolutely. And, Hands down. Uh, good dude. All around good guy. One of his favorite movies, and it has been for a while now, uh, is a 1998 animated movie the prince of egypt and if you haven't seen the prince of egypt this is probably a good time to press pause or <laughs> maybe just go back and listen to the disney bracket pod again um because we're going to be talking a lot about the prince of egypt um so many things to discuss about this movie uh, i watched it last night with my wife it's one of her favorite movies uh specifically for the soundtrack she geeks mm-hmm. out about the soundtrack um, and every time I watch it, I forget about how many famous people are in this movie. So many famous people. And how good the songs are. So I thoroughly enjoyed my watch through of The Prince of Egypt. Maybe more now as a 29-year-old than I did as a six-year-old when this first came out and Fair. I saw it in theaters. So um, all that to say, Austin, we got a lot to get through. I'm excited to hear um, what you're bringing to the podcast this week, Austin Chandler, take it away. What do you got, man? Yeah, thank you so much, Kyle. Um, I love The Prince of Egypt. It is one of my favorite movies. I've always, I've always liked it a lot. We, it was a big staple in family movie night when I was growing up um, every Friday. And uh, I totally agree. I think it's much better when you're an adult. I think when you're younger, especially if you're, a, if you're younger in a church-going family, it just kind of makes sense to you that this would exist because mm-hmm. you're like, of course, the story is so important to everyone because everyone believes the same thing I, that I do and cares about the same thing I do. Uh, so it's much more kind of amazing that it ever got made when you watch it as a 29 year old and you're like, how did it, such a big budget studio make a, a movie about the Exodus story that was so successful and included all the actors it did? Like what actors, Austin? Well, that's a fantastic question, Kyle. I've written down not only the actors, but a few other of my favorite stats about the Prince of Egypt. And okay. uh, these actors, I guarantee whoever's listening, you might love this movie. You will not be able to remember that all of these people are in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Uh, you might remember like one to five of them, uh, but but the list is ridiculous. It, it is Val Kilmer, Ralph Fiennes, um, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Jeff Goldblum, Danny Glover, Patrick Stewart, Helen Mirren for like 
two scenes. Yeah, she's uh, like Steve not Martin. in it at all. Yeah, Helen Mirren and uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short. Um, and, and Steve Martin and Martin Short play Pharaoh's uh, uh, magi- sorcerers, magicians. I don't, know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what their official job titles are, but they have a lot of screen time. They talk a lot. They have a full song. It's yeah. pretty incredible. Um, the song is so ridiculous too. Yes, it's amazing. It's amazing. You're you're playing with the big boys now. Playing with uh, the big boys. The taunt <laughs> they use. These are adults um, that are speaking to one another. I didn't know that Patrick Stewart was in this movie or Helen Mirren, and I watched it last night. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Stewart is like the original Pharaoh. Oh my goodness, he sure and, is. And wow. Helen Mirren is his mom, is or is the uh, adop- is an adoptive mom. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she has two lines. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Why She's like, serious? let's go. And one of them is, let's go introduce him to Pharaoh. And then yeah. the other one is like, no. <laughs> animated movies, animated movies have they get pretty good actors because I mean that's pretty easy work. And it's mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. a win-win-win. The studio gets to say Patrick Stewart, yada yada is in this movie, and the actor gets to get millions of dollars to walk into a phone booth and speak four lines of yeah. dialogue. But this movie is stacked. Like, I mean, you, we, we know about, about like the Lego movie that has tons of actors, but mm-hmm. like the Lego movie has a lot of actors from like the comedy circles. It doesn't have yeah. like, you know, uh, Brad Pitt or uh, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey or Christian Bale. Like these are the, these are like top shelf, top tier actors. Um, some other fun facts before we like dive in. Jeffrey Katzenberg uh, conceived of this movie and he, he had pitched the idea to Disney, which is where he worked, but they turned it down. And so when he left Disney and founded DreamWorks, he made this his inaugural project and hired 350 artists from 34 countries, many of which were former Disney employees that he just watched. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, it's one of the first blends of hand-drawn and computer anim- animation in the same movie yeah. uh as you can tell watching it it's got the the ocean and the wind it took them oh okay a full yeah. year to mm-hmm. animate the uh the red sea i always want to say the dead sea but it's not the dead sea it took them a full year to animate the the red sea when they're walking oh, through wow. it and have the, the whales behind them and stuff well, yeah one of my favorite shots is the lightning and then just you mm. see the shadow of the whale yeah, yeah, it's it's really beautiful, and uh, it, it at the time it was the most successful non Disney animated feature of all time, two hundred and eighteen million dollars. Wow! And uh, last but not least, here I I think this is really cool. They it was very important to them to get it as accurate as possible, and they brought in biblical scholars, Christian, Jewish, and Muslim theologians. Is that how to say that word? Um, to help with the accuracy. And after those people previewed it, they all praised the studio for listening to their ideas and their thoughts and making changes, which is pretty awesome. Really cool. Something like that. So those are my stats about the I had no idea that dude founded DreamWorks. That's really cool. Just because Disney wouldn't make this movie, essentially. He's like, (laughs) screw you. I will take my ball and I will go home and I will create a new (laughs) And I'll make millions of dollars doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. um, One of my favorite things that when you're, listing off the all-star cast there is like one of the people that I was scrolling through and looking at the cast on IMDb. I was like, he's just listed as additional voices. He doesn't even have his own credit title, but it's James Avery, the guy who played uncle Phil from fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like even, even the no names in this movie are (laughs) pretty much big names. (laughs) Yeah. In uh, I was thinking about Val Kilmer, like first off, casting Val Kilmer in this movie is an interesting decision because he just screams like I was born in Idaho, you know, <laughs> look at him. or, you know, and, uh, and dude who has played Batman and uh, Iceman, Iceman and yeah. n- now God and, uh, <laughs> and Moses. What a resume. Yes. I played I Batman and God. What do you got? <laughs> yes like suck it michael keaton and then christian bale was like i'll do the same yeah oh yeah Um, i was gonna say that you brought up christian bale and this is like the i think this is the best moses rendition that hollywood has done well i haven't seen the charlton heston so maybe that'll be my my 
throwback classic. That's for yeah, that's like the week. main one. Which I, I have to imagine is a large reason that they made this movie. It's what I thought, but I didn't know this was like a passion project from the founder of DreamWorks. But have y'all seen the Christian Bale Moses movie that came out not too long ago? I didn't see it. Like Exodus yeah. Gods, Gods, and Gods and Kings. And Kings. Mm-hmm. What, did, what did you think of it, Crawford? Because I didn't even know that that movie had come out. <laughs> it was I, totally fine. <laughs> I think it's interesting that we're, we're talking about this movie and I'm sure I'm not sure I would assume other movie podcasts have talked about this movie before. I mean, they have to, right? Um, I don't know if any of the other movie podcasts have had a, uh, a, it's someone who has gone to seminary and passed seminary and is a certified seminary, seminarian, semin, someone who's been, who's graduated. See which would be drew drew the supposedly handsome drew yeah Um, so i think it it tells you at the very beginning that they have taken liberties with the story and they've kind of made it their own and it tells you that right from the jump and then it's like if you'd like to read the story go to exodus and i was like that's kind of cool that it gives you that like straight up um so from like someone who's been to seminary uh what was your like just take from the jump about the movie and like things that maybe the rest of us may not know. Yeah. So no, I, I appreciated the same thing as they gave the the upfront, like, Hey, uh, we took some creative license, but you know, we feel like it's still pretty true to the story. And if you want to check out the story, you know, check out Exodus inspired millions of people in all sorts of faiths. And it's like, Oh, Hey, good for you guys. Um, I did kind of go into the movie being like, all right, I had this knowledge now, like I'm going to poke some holes in this. You know, and uh, I came out going, it was it was kind of fine, like not a whole lot that I was like, oh, I have a problem with that because anything they took creative license on was kind of not really important. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the only thing that I thought was kind of funny was that they made Aaron really not important at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> super important in the box. That's what I was going to say. It's funny they and, took someone as like um, dynamic as Jeff Goldblum, especially with his voice. Yeah. And like the, the dude who is like actually goes and talks to Pharaoh for Moses and performs all of the miracles and stuff. And they're like, you just be Jeff Goldblum. You have eight lines. We'll let Moses do we'll let Val Kilmer do all the talking, which I thought was Which also, when I saw that Jeff Goldblum was playing Aaron, I was like, maybe I'm misremembering Aaron's role in this movie because he does a lot of talking. And I feel like if you're going to yeah. cast somebody who should do a lot of talking, maybe don't do Jeff Goldblum. It's oh, supposed no. to be like the mouthpiece for God. It's like, I mean, I, I will say. Jeff Goldblum has a fantastic voice, very, very engaging, very, yes. uh, very recognizable. But like you said, if if Jeff Goldblum had walked in there and been like, I'm speaking for God and Ooh, let uh, my people uh, go, Moses. You know, just, you know, let my people. Let my people will find a way. My people will find a way. Where's my, where's my zappy stick? Why didn't. I really it. like that all four of us did a Jeff Goldblum impersonation at the same time. At the like same no time. probably be able to be able to pick out like whose was the worst. And yeah, that way you can't bad. truly know who was good and who was bad. Um, so that those were two of my biggest things. Was I was really, I was, I, I appreciated more as an adult that they were straight up like, hey, this is a story. We're kind of messing with it. If you'd like to read, you know, the story that it's it's based off of, go here, um, which I thought was neat. And then, uh, and then this, the music, I think this time really hit me a little bit differently. Austin, I know you are a musician yourself. Um, and, uh, and you can probably speak to this better than the rest of us. Like, what was your favorite song or favorite songs or anything about the music you'd like to get into? I mean, uh, every song I think is really, I think, I, I think every song is kind of perfect for what it does. I mean, even the uh, playing with the big boys now, which is a very silly song. It is. I mean, you have that montage while it's playing of like the Egyptian gods are here and it's dark and it's fierce and, you know, it's it sets it up well, even if, even if it's kind of uh, comedic. But I think all the songs are great. I I love from just like a, if I'm in the car and I want to just play a song and listen and maybe sing definitely through heaven's eyes, um, mm, yeah. which was not sung by Danny Glover. Um, <laughs> There's several of those. There's several of yeah. those in the movie. Where like I was watching that movie and thought 
who sang for Danny Glover and who sang for Sandra Bullock? Because neither one of those yeah, people definitely not Sandra Bullock. actually and, sang. And Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer as well did not sing. Um, the Brian Stokes Mitchell is the guy who sang yes. uh, Through Heaven's Eyes. He is fantastic. His voice yes. is really, really strong. And uh, But I think my favorite thing is the uh, juxtaposition songs. The, the one that Moses sings of like this is where i belong mm-hmm. at the beginning mm-hmm. and then as the plagues are happening it's that same melody but it's yep. darker it's heavier i mean i think one of the coolest things about the movie that is not in exodus is the relationship that moses and ramesses have mm-hmm. um, yeah. they they really give you a very strong like that's heartbreaking uh their their arc is very heartbreaking and they give you these animated movies always move very fast you know uh if you if you re if you fast forward 10 minutes then it's like oh i've skipped so much plot mm-hmm. but they give you a lot of little pieces of them that i think really sets up their arc well and those two songs are really cool just kind of uh, the juxtaposition of them so that's yeah. definitely my favorite part uh Austin, i wanted to hear one point from you if you are going to cast val kilmer as the lead of this movie that you know is a musical and you're like Val Kilmer, can you sing? And he's like, nope. And you're okay, great. We'll get someone to sing for you. Wouldn't you pick someone who could sing? I hate whoever sang Val Kilmer's part. Whoever did the role of Moses' voice is terrible. I, I thought. I didn't. I didn't find him terrible. I find him to be the least. Uh, that maybe compared to like, Brian Stokes Mitchell, it's like ah, okay, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, he's definitely like the weakest link of the singers, but I think what they were trying to do more than anything was match Val Kilmer's voice. I I agree. They were trying to nail the vocalist. They were just trying to match the voice. And it just so happened that Brian Stokes Mitchell's voice was able to kind of be that uh, Jethro character in that song. Plus, Danny Glover has like, what, four lines? Yeah, maybe. Not very many. Uh, But no, I totally agree. I thought that the guy who was singing as Val Kilmer, I actually thought that Val Kilmer was singing and that he just wasn't that great. And I thought that that (laughs) went into who they chose to pick or like that voice actor's decision to be like, I'm going to go out of my way to try to match Val Kilmer's sound and cadence as much as possible, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. I, I a, a fun fact that I do have is that Val Kilmer actually played Moses in the stage musical, The Ten Commandments, and he did sing in that and oh, can wow. sing. So that was kind of interesting that they had someone else sing his songs. I now have more questions than I did when I got <laughs> yeah. Like what? Right. Right. Um, I forgot how terrifying the scene is when um, Moses' mother puts her, him in the basket Holy and pushes crap. him down the Nile. No, and there's the no crocodiles chance. and stuff. I'm like, oh my! No gosh. chance is that baby alive. That <laughs> basket gets uh, almost eaten by alligators, hippos, waves. It gets hit with the oars of like a, a ship full of warriors. Like they like smack that basket. It's crazy uh, how many things happen. <laughs> my to thing that poor was baby. My thing is it immediately went from hitting the oar of like a battleship to like 10 feet being in Pharaoh's yeah. daughter's uh, bathhouse. And it's like, hey, guys, it's I have home. a question. Why are there battleships this close to Pharaoh's wife's like bathhouse? Like that's There's not a lot right. Of questions regarding the security of Pharaoh's mm-hmm. palace in this movie, because Moses just walks in a lot of times <laughs> when the plagues are going on. I'm like, you're probably not welcome here, but I don't know. <laughs> Um, but I was looking at my wife when we were watching that scene with the, the baby in the basket. And when he, as soon as he gets hit by the oar, I was like, that baby definitely, like at the minimum, that baby has shaken baby head syndrome. Like there's no chance that it doesn't exactly. have a concussion for a small child, like a hundred percent. I was going to say, I have one comment while we were talking about the music just a second ago is like, before we move off of it is I understand that this is a musical but this is one of the few animated musicals where I look at it and go, oh, it's an animated movie where music is involved, as opposed to most other animated movies where music happens. They take a lot of time out to be like, now I'm going to sing for four minutes about this one very distinct point, and it's not going to advance the plot. And and this movie uses music to advance the plot. Yeah, mm-hmm. And yeah. it's not really like, 
oh, the musical where, you know, everybody gets their own solo. It's a movie where music is used as an action device. And I really enjoyed that a lot from this movie. Yeah, I thought the, uh, I think the movie does such a good job of, of playing songs during a part of that story that would have taken so long, like yeah. uh, Through Heaven's Eyes, which is probably the catchiest song of the movie, at least from yeah. just like a like, kind of bumping standpoint. Like that plays over the course of, I believe, like 40 years no, in the no, actual no. Exodus story. I'm pretty sure Moses is gone for like, a, I don't think it's 40, but it's a significant amount of time. And, and they do a good job of that. Same with the plagues. There's like a montage mm, yeah. of the plagues because that would have taken forever to be like, and now this is happening. And, and the Pharaoh said no again. Mm. And now this is, you know, so it does mm. a good job of kind of like moving things. And that's one of the things in the original Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. It's like the plagues take the movie. That's the whole movie. And like, I get it. That can be kind of visually stunning. I really enjoyed the way that they did the plagues in 90 seconds. It's like, we get it. Bad stuff happened. You can show us the bad stuff and then like, let's keep going. Um, And I thought that was, I really liked the way that they did the whole movie. And I really appreciated the things that they chose to emphasize and the things that they chose to uh, take creative licenses with and the things that they just chose to move quickly through because I think they knew what's important for a good story and what's not. Through Heaven's Eyes, I think, is maybe the most catchy one. And it's definitely sung by the best singer. But and I really like the one with Ralph Fiennes singing uh, the, the the juxtaposed version of All I Ever Wanted. Yeah. Um, but the it won, this movie won, correct me if I'm wrong, this movie won an Oscar for best song. And it was uh, The Miracles one. Yeah. When You Believe. Which I think is not even close to the best song in this movie but it's kind of crazy that song because there's a pop version of it like so that was their like big song um which i guess makes some sense i mean it is kind of that swelling like Mm -hmm. finale type song but uh yeah I, i definitely don't think it's the best song in a movie the uh the ending of the opening song and the last song um is the uh is moses's mom singing deliver us and like belting it and it's like that gives me the chills every time i hear it i'm like oh my gosh like it's super super touching intense Um, it's very cool that that she sings she belts that at the beginning when the turmoil is like at its mm -hmm. most devastating and tragic and then it hits one more time as moses is standing over now what looks to be a significantly larger crowd of his people uh, in the desert and so it's kind of this like beginning and end of that journey like god has delivered the people um right so yeah drew allen no i think i think you hit on it exactly right i was gonna say i love how quiet that final song starts where it's like at night after everything's gone it's like almost so early in the morning it's still dark out and then you do see the progress of like as it gets lighter and more people join and then like you said they get to the desert and it's a huge group of everybody and they're all singing along and it's like they actually start believing that they are free mm-hmm. and the music grows with the day with the crowd with the spirit of the people and then it, cla- it like finishes with like a hebrew chant um that's just i think that's really incredible and beautifully planned out I was just going to say that chant part is really cool. Cause like you said, I, I, I love what you said about like, they start to believe that they're free. Cause that is what that song is. And I love that. Like what makes them believe they're free is the children like mm. running through the crowd and them realizing like, Oh my gosh, like, wait a minute. Like the kids are like playing and having fun. Like, and I can do that too. Like it's a, and so it does hit very well during that song. I was going to say, generationally that's one of my favorite things uh is how you know like the little girl who comes up to the grandmother of like i'll help you leave the city it's okay like we're all okay now and then at the end when they get to the the red sea and the egyptians are coming and the little girl is scared the grandmother comforts Mm her i was like it's okay like i'll protect you like and it's this generational thing of you we'll get through it together right. Of like the young encouraging the old and the old encouraging the young and protecting them as we all move forward together. Not to get us too far off. Cause I do want to go back to like everybody's favorite scenes. And then Austin just kind of let you go and talk about this movie for quite a bit. Um, but at the end of this movie, 
the movie ends with Moses walking down from Mount Sinai with the uh, Ten Commandments in hand. Now, Crawford, I did not go to seminary, and it's been a while since I've read Exodus, so if I get any of this wrong, please let me know. Uh, but I believe it's Mount Sinai. He's walking down, and he's been up there for like three days, right? A while, yeah. He's been up there long enough for everybody to go. He's probably dead. <laughs> so that's so that was what I was like. I think this movie does a super, super cool job. The the parting of the Red Sea is so, so well done, and it's epic. And at the end, when the when the Red Sea crashes down on the uh, on the Pharaoh's army, and they've made it, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And then it ends with Moses walking down with the Ten Commandments. And then like what this movie doesn't show you, which is probably for the best, is that like he's been gone for like a c- couple days or something. So he's like, hey, I got to go talk to God real quick. Be right back. And by the time he comes down from the mountain, like they've already made idols and started praying to other gods and stuff. It's like, we, we, you just saw him split open the Red Sea. Like we just did all this and like, you've already done. Okay, great. There's already a golden calf. Awesome. It's like, like, oh, it's okay, like sweet. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that just like, that made me laugh last night while I was watching. It's just like, can you imagine seeing all of these miracles and these plagues and all these terrible things happening and then like three days go by and you're like well find a new god now like oh my god would you have like would you have liked the movie better if it had ended with moses smashing the ten commandments down on the ground (laughs) just saying what the hell i'm sorry god i didn't mean to say that that should have been the first scene of the sequel (laughs) uh about just just called one job yeah the the desert sequel uh, prince of egypt to colon you had one job <laughs> so i think this movie definitely ends at the best spot because the next 40 years for that groups of people is really really tough so it, this movie definitely gets you from one really bad spot into just before the next really bad spot so it's, yeah they they chose their beginning and ending well um but austin what else like what else do you love about this movie is there anything you don't like about this movie maybe too no, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think like Drew said, there's there's some parts like Aaron uh, not being really a big factor that, you know, is, is something I do remember being different. But I, I don't think I give a lot of credit to movies in the other in the last episode. I mentioned Seabiscuit as a movie that I watched and enjoyed. And the reason that I enjoyed is that it doesn't do anything spectacularly, but it, it doesn't really fail in any way to me. I'm like it tells its story. This movie does a spectacular job of almost everything. And there's, I don't really think there's much wrong with it. Sometimes I'm, I'm very excited for the movie to get into the meat of the story, mm-hmm. but that's true of any movie. So Kyle, I got a question for you. You famously taken umbrage with films for not having the accents done well. And yeah. I think maybe the one knock on this movie is that it's a pretty whitewashed cast. I think. Yeah. All of the Hebrew and Egyptian play- players are uh, played by Caucasian actors. Uh, that that took me out of the film a little bit to hear Martin Short and Steve Martin uh, bantering yeah. like it's the Three Amigos a little bit. Did you feel that at all? When you hear Val Kilmer's voice, like it just like I just picture Iceman. I don't even <laughs> picture Batman. I picture Iceman, and so that takes me a really long time to get through in this movie. Um, Oh, and then when I when I hear Jeff Goldblum's voice, the first thing I think of, which I guess is not probably not most for everybody, is I think of how are we going to download this virus onto the alien spaceship um, <laughs> and and not like uh, gave it a virus. I, don't know. I think one thing that I found very interesting is that the the Egyptians are all played by very fancy sounding. British <laughs> actors and mm-hmm. the Israelites are all played by not only Americans, but like in the case or American accents, but like in the case of Jeff Goldblum, kind of this like schlubby, klutzy, like, <laughs> hey, you know, what are you doing? You know, it's like it, it that I found that funny, except for Pharaoh's like sorcerer people. They also yeah. have American accents for some reason. I guess they weren't going to get Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short right. dialect Would have been tough. Like, yeah, <laughs> they should have had them. They should have had like a uh, some sort of British comedian that had like a Cockney accent would have been really spectacular for those. <laughs> just characters. just really played it up. Um, I did love <laughs> that like, they address all this then. Uh, <laughs> I do love that they address like, hey, this is how Sphinx got its nose broken off. I, I yeah. always think that's kind of funny when 
any historical movie takes a little shot at something like that. Uh, it's was, child, it's childish and it's an easy joke, but I like it every time. I was going to say, I think this is my favorite car chase scene in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think them racing their, their horse drawn carriages at the beginning of this. That's probably not the correct term. Chariots. Wagons. Thank you. Yeah, chariots. chariots. Yeah. Chariot. Them racing their chariots was like my favorite uh, of the car chase scenes for sure. So when they actually were coming down the scaffolding, uh, l- landing on the sand that was fenced in by, I don't know, some kind of wood. I had the thought where I was like, how is that sand staying in that fence? I don't know <laughs> if they know the properties of sand, but it will find a way to leak through cracks in wood. And it's then it, and it gets everywhere. And then it did. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> okay. At least this the historical accuracy, historical accurate somehow. Um one of the things Austin talked about earlier that I really loved about this movie was the relationship that they played into about uh, Ray Fiennes playing Ramses and Val Kilmer playing Moses and kind of diving into their brotherhood and their uh, familiar relation. And then also how Ramses would feel being Pharaoh. And I like that they mm-hmm. did the whole Patrick Stewart being like, there can be no weak link. Yeah. And- placing that fatherly and favorably burden on him. Uh, and I thought that that was a really great aspect of the movie. And I appreciated it a lot. That, uh, that line of, but one weak link can break the chain of a mighty dynasty is what I was thinking of when I said, like they really set up these character arcs so well, because when yeah. Ramsey says, I will not be the weak link. It's like, Oh, I know it's not like that's stupid to me as a viewer. Like, I'm like, yeah, I understand why this is so meaningful to you Yeah, because your father placed this burden on you. Like you said. And this, on the same note, I think Patrick Stewart also gets a wonderful moment with Moses when Moses is just figuring out that he's Hebrew and he's like trying to deal with it. And he runs to the mural and Pharaoh's like, I did, you know, I did sacrifices have to be made for the yeah. greater good, essentially. And then he goes to hug his son. And it's like, they're just slaves. Right. And it like the the music like drops and it's dark and, and the, the scene is dark and he runs off into the darkness. And it's just like clear, like the like the fear and the scare and like mm-hmm. how twisted this character is, I think is was really well done and truly terrifying. Yeah. Um and then I, it's not often in animated movies that you get a complex villain and mm. they did a really good job making Ramsey's a complex villain and not just being, I am bad because I was written to be bad, which I know Austin talks a lot mm. about when he likes bad guys who are, uh, who have a reason for doing what they're doing and not just, I am big and strong and I am yeah. here to destroy you. Um, <laughs> so I really enjoyed that about this movie too. Um, yeah. What, one of my favorite little things is that, Early on in the movie, you see uh, Patrick Stewart's Pharaoh as he's you know sitting on his throne, and then next to him is his like statue of himself yeah. off in the distance. <laughs> and then, like an hour later in the movie, you see Ramsey sitting sitting in the same place, and then his statue is on the other side of his father, and it's just a little bit bigger. <laughs> uh, and I I don't know why I thought that was so funny, but I was like, that is the perfect uh exposition of a child to his father of like i'll be better than you like yeah. uh what you, you thought you were great watch me be better than you and i thought that that was really subtly funny i like that and, and talking about uh, like familiar familial relationships in this movie i think you know it's very they do a great job of older pharaoh and how his impact on his sons but i also love like we said before i think austin you mentioned the brotherly uh, relationship that they build with Ramses and Moses. And I had never really thought about it until watching this movie and where Moses comes back in and the magician sorcerers are like, oh, um, we remember that you killed this guy. And so we're going to arrest you. And Ramses like sticks up for his brother and is like, no, I'm the Pharaoh and I pardon everything he's done and there's nothing you can do about it. So tough. And then Moses has to be like, ooh, uh, thank you for that. But also, can you free also, all of this my is people? gonna be awkward, but <laughs> big ask. Yeah, I thought that was like 
oh, it made me like cringe a whole ton to just know that like the Pharaoh has done something very kind and magnanimous. And Moses is totally aware the whole time, like, hey, you probably shouldn't do that because I'm about to take all of my people away with me. And you're really, really, really not going to like that. But I've been commanded by God and you also have to. And like, I already know that that was a tough conversation, but to put it like with his brother, essentially, and to have that kind of dynamic, like was very, it's one of those things that when you put it in a movie, it really becomes apparent and a lot more than just reading it off the page, I thought. Yeah, and that scene when Moses takes off the ring too, he just looks so, like his his face just looks so sad when mm -hmm. Pharaoh gets the ring back. I was like, oh my gosh. Even with this being a 1998 animated movie. <laughs> I mean, it's very heavy. It's, it's very heavy if you think about just like Ramesses' perspective is he's now Pharaoh and, uh, you know, he's having whatever celebration. I don't know what they were doing, but they're having some sort of celebration. And in walks his brother, who he probably mm. thought was dead, had just walked off into the desert like mm -hmm. decades ago or however long. And immediately his brother is like, I'm so happy to see you, but mm. I'm here for a reason that is going to drive this wedge between us. And it's, it, is, it is very heavy and heartbreaking, the ring part. And and then on the juxtaposition of that, I love that they're seen later on in the height of the plagues. Uh, Moses walks back into the the throne room, and it's just Pharaoh, and he's sitting up on top of one of the statues, and he like throws the wine glass down at him. And he's like, "Get out!" You know, whatever. And after talking for a few minutes, it's very easy for them to fall back into being brothers. And ha, 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 remember that thing we did when we were young and we changed the head of the gods in the temple and you got in trouble and I got in trouble and ha, ha. And like, it was a really nice rest and a respite from, hey, we're these sworn enemies that we're always bound to hate each other to, hey, we're actually brothers and we're just caught on two different sides of a conflict and I still care about you, but it doesn't change the fact that what we have to do is important. Which brings me back to where was the security in Pharaoh's house? Because like, what? How? You, you mentioned complex villains, Kyle, earlier in the podcast. I think this is a great point to like just pull those a lot of these points together, which is Ramses is this all-powerful Pharaoh. Like everything he says goes. He mentions multiple times he is the sun and the moon or like the day and night. And the only thing he wants, the thing he wants most in the world is for his brother to come back, like for it to be his brother and him ruling Egypt. And that's the one thing he can't have. And then not only can he not have his brother with him by his side, but his brother is coming in and commanding him and telling him what to do. And that was the thing he hated the most from his father. And like, you have both of those coming together that you really understand how his heart gets hardened um, more so than just like the spiritual thing that happens I that's a really that... good point because i've always thought that was that's actually one of my least favorite things about the actual biblical story is like god harden hardens pharaoh's heart and you're just kind of like oh that seems cruel <laughs> like knowing what's coming uh mm. if you hadn't done that maybe maybe people wouldn't have had to suffer but it is cool to kind of see like there's a reason behind it. It's not just like God deciding he's like, I got to show off my power. It's like Ramses is the, I mean, I feel like as we're talking, I'm like Ramses is the, uh, the champion, the MVP of Prince of Egypt character wise, because everybody else is kind of like, here's my role. Moses has some complex stuff going on, but Ramses, as we've mentioned, has really just tough, tough stuff that he's got to grapple with inside him. I will say the other, like, in my opinion, champion of this story is Zipporah, who um, in the biblical Exodus story doesn't get a whole lot of screen time, but she does here uh, in this movie. And I love it because Zipporah is awesome in this movie. And, and she gets she, some agency. Yeah. Like, that you don't she, see in a lot of female characters. And she rocks it. And I, I'm here. I'm team Zipporah. Uh, I'm about she, it. She ties up her guard, the dogs, escapes on her own, steals a camel, and then gets revenge on Moses by dunking him in the water, which I thought yeah. was awesome. 
And then it does feel like their love like relationship happens in a montage, but it does seem like they're both equal partners. Like they're both yeah. like he is almost a servant, like a slave. And she's like the head guy's daughter. Is that true? I, I, I didn't go to seminary school, but and so there's kind of a, yeah. there is a little bit of mismatch and I don't know that I, I liked that their relationship, even in like how much this communicated, even in the montage. Another big scene for me, the scene with Moses at the burning bush and yeah. the uh, very interesting way that they decided to go about voicing God. I, I imagine that unless you're like in the production meeting and you're like, Hey, who's going to voice God? And the other person, the director doesn't say Morgan Freeman. Then I imagine like you're <laughs> going to have some people being like, Ooh, like, like it's going to be a really long conversation unless they say Morgan Freeman immediately. Um, so what were, what were y'all's thoughts on Val Kilmer the, the playing production God? production team talked a lot about what they wanted God to sound like. And uh, in movies before this one, he had always sounded very booming, uh, very low, deep, uh, you know, voice that projects and echo, a lot of reverb. And they met uh, with Hans Zimmer, actually, who wrote the music for this movie. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Hans Zimmer, definitely the goat of uh, movie soundtracks, really <laughs> yes. undisputed always. there. Um, yeah. But yeah, he wrote the music for this and they met with him because they wanted it to sound like very unique. And the reason they cast Val Kilmer was because they decided ultimately they wanted God to kind of sound like kind of that internal monologue. Like if you're imagining God talking to you, he's really going to sound like you, but maybe stronger, more confident, maybe more, you know, kind of distant. Uh, so I loved, I, I loved, I didn't necessarily care about it being Val Kilmer the first time I watched it. I was just kind of like, okay. But after reading that, I was like, that's pretty cool. That's a, a good way of looking at it, I thought. Yeah, and I think the first time he speaks, it's like very like soothing, like Moses. And he's like calling him over to him. And at the end of that scene, he's like, I am the God of whatever. And it's like booming and like the like the cave is shaking or whatever. Uh, I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, I think the first time I saw this as a child, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that was the same voice as uh val kilmer playing moses but like obviously on the second time through i'm an adult i'm looking for it now i was like oh that's a very similar voice and then if you go to the imdb page it's like moses slash god you're like that's an interesting title uh but (laughs) i i did like the fact that uh i thought it was an interesting take on it of God being voiced by the same voice as Moses. And it's that way of, I don't know, maybe interpreting God being that internal voice that sometimes just sounds like you, you know, in prompting you from something inside of yourself to do what you believe is, is right. Um, And I thought that was interesting that it's not always this like big booming voice from heaven. That's like Moses, (laughs) my son, do what I command. It's like, sometimes it can start as this kind of gentle whisper that sounds a little bit like your own voice telling you to do something. Um, And I thought that was a very interesting take and a very artistic expression of that. And I liked that a lot. What I thought was almost more interesting in that scene was the special effects of the fire. Yeah. I thought was really well done. Like they like, he like, he like tests it out with a stick, which I thought was a nice touch. I like and that then, too. And then he picks it up with his hand and like dances off of him. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, this movie, another stat, um, this movie has 1,192 scenes that they had to animate and 1,180 of them had the special effects animation department. And what that means is non-character animation. Oh, so. Wow only like 12 scenes did not have some sort of non-character animation, whether it be the wind or the fire or the Red Sea parting, which I thought was really cool. Um, I also think kind of talking like what you said, Crawford, about kind of taking care to like build that meaning of like why they would choose Val Kilmer. I feel like movies are just movies are just better when you can tell that the production team really put a lot of thought and care into it it wasn't just a job like you can definitely see in this movie uh, even if you didn't know about them involving biblical and uh, muslim scholars and stuff like 
even if you didn't know that you can tell like they really thought about like what do we want the direction of this and the meaning behind it and it really shows i feel like in visual the plot everything you mentioned the the pillar of fire and yeah it's like watching this movie from like a movie podcast perspective it was so as I, I i caught myself as i get far be it from me to critique the bible like that's not what i'm saying at all but like just from a movie perspective the Egyptians catching up to them and then they're just being a fire raining down from the heavens. I was like, okay, that seems kind of cheap. <laughs> like, why not just have the Egyptians show up a little bit later? <laughs> Personally, if I was like an Egyptian soldier right then, it's like, oh, we're going to go get them. And then a pillar of fire came down and blocked my path. I've been like, maybe I'm going to go home. And then, going home. And, and then Pharaoh was yeah. like, get him. And I was like, maybe you guys go first. I'm going to like hang back here, have a little beach day. Yes. You know, they see, a, they see a pillar of fire descend from heaven that's so big that it stops them from advancing anymore. And then the pillar goes away. The ocean is split in two. <laughs> and Pharaoh's like, yeah, let's go. It's now's our chance. And it's like, <laughs> guys, maybe don't go in the ocean. That yeah. one that one Egyptian shoulder is like, ah, oh, I really rolled my ankle. Is it OK if I I'm right ooh, behind ooh, you guys? Ooh, ow, I've been turned ow, into ow. a cow. Can I go home? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> the animation of the uh, the burning bush, the pillar of fire and the uh, the Red Sea parting. Those are all really, really, really well done for 1998. Oh, yeah. Um, really, really well done. And that's cool to know that that many artists took that much time and put that much effort into it. Um, yeah, that's, that's really neat. This that's a really good movie. It's not just a good animated movie. It's not just a good biblical story movie. It's a really good movie. The only other thing that I would really mention is, is both the plague montage, I think is done really well. I really liked how the plagues all kind of blend together. Um, yeah. cause it really yeah. kind of paints this image of like, it's not just one thing happening at a time. It's these things back to back. Like the Egyptian people are just drowning in frogs boils locusts like all these things but uh we mentioned earlier the um the miracle song i never can remember what it's at oh is it when you believe i don't know i believe so yeah but drew allen you mentioned that song starting like kind of kind of quiet and in the morning i love that they take time to let moses like weep in the dark after mm. the angel of death comes down and the angel of death is another uh thing that i think is an incredible animation choice because mm -hmm. again like the voice of god it's like what does the angel of death look like are we gonna have a character so i thought it was cool to just kind of have that wispy and absolutely mm. terrifying uh white vapor floating yes. through town but it but i love that they gave moses the chance to be like heartbroken that he had to do this on God's behalf. And then the song starts in this very somber place. Like it, mm. it follows the mood of the people, the fear mm. and the sadness. And then it's slowly building into that hope. So I thought that whole, that whole sequence is really when the movie is like uh, unmissable. Like at that point, you're not like getting up to get a refill or mm, no. going to the bathroom. It's like, oh, I'm locked in from mm -hmm. the plagues until the end. It's pretty wild. Yeah, a, a worse movie, like a, a worse version of this movie would have a winged person with a sword, you know, pass through the door and like hear like a, a slicing sound and like a scream. And then or maybe like hundreds of those all throughout the city. But the fact that it's just kind of this wispy, like you said, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, you painted the picture perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's truly haunting. And then at one point, you like you see different people throughout their day, their night. Like sometimes it's they're in the bedroom. Sometimes the one kid like carrying the jar, and then you just hear the jar smash. That's like, heartbreaking. Chills and like just thinking about it. Like the fact that that's in a kids movie. Yeah, I was like, oh my, oh my god. For being an animated movie uh, with with songs and stuff, you think, oh, obviously kids movie. This movie deals with the lead character kills someone in cold blood. It deals with slavery and all that comes with that. It deals with the with God killing the firstborn of every house. Like there's a lot of really dark stuff in this movie that they do. They they keep it to where it's uh, it cuts away right before the guy falls off the scaffolding, or and you don't see a winged creature with a with a hammer and an axe. You know, <laughs> it does a really good job about that. 
I think it's really cool the way they use the the plague of darkness, which I think is probably yeah. the most terrifying plague that's not involving sure. murder. Um, it, the plague of darkness, because you always think of it as kind of just like, oh, it's nighttime. But it's like they really use that really beautifully in terms of like the animation. You see the the slaves houses kind of bathed in golden sunlight but in the background there's no sunlight it's just that darkness and then when Moses comes to visit Ramesses after the death of his son there's just that single beam of light that has that's shining down on Ramesses and 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 you don't actually see the like body in detail but you just see these shadows and stuff and I thought that whole that whole sequence in the play I feel like that this movie made the plague of darkness very real to me. Like yeah. I never really had taken that one into account, but just seeing Egypt just like bathed in that, those dark colors is very, very terrifying. Yeah. And, and you see it in a very real perspective from Moses as, you know, earlier he sings that song about like, this is what I want, you know, and he sings like the columns of alabaster and stuff. And mm-hmm. he's there on the columns and then he comes back to it later and it's completely bathed in darkness and for no real reason, you can't, there's no light coming from anywhere, right? It's just dark, it's chipped, it's cracked, and mm-hmm. he's touching the same column that he was touching earlier. And it's a, it's a really good uh, callback to like, is this what you wanted? Is this, you know, like what was meant for you? Uh, I don't know, like there, there's a whole lot that goes into that. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about that, that juxtaposition song is it's not like Moses really wants to do any of this like he they're they're both going through this anguish of like i ramses is just like i thought i had lost you and i just want it to be like it was i can't believe that you've come here to do what you're doing and moses is just like this is the last thing that i ever would have wanted like Mm -hmm. i don't want to be doing this i want this to end and and then it ends with them singing I will never let your people go and let my people go yes, at the same yeah. time. Like that's the final, <laughs> that final harmony and that kind of weird dissonant harmony is yeah. very cool. That last note when they sing I'm go is like, gives you chills. And if you've got chills from watching <laughs> this movie or from listening to this podcast, write into us at NTPYD on Twitter or email us at NTPYD at gmail.com or I'm sorry, NTPYD podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Not the Podcast You Deserve. <laughs>